evolved into such an intelligent species that we can manifest these ideas and create something amazing. Opportunities are like diamonds. Now there's something very exhilarating about having a dream so big that it kind of scares you a little bit. It gives you drive, it gives you ambition, it gives you motivation, something amazing that you can walk towards. What's up, children? It's Rupak in the future, talking to you from the past in your present, as always. So, uh, a little bit of technical issues before starting, and I'm really still working out through all this. I don't know. This might not be my optimal recording setup just yet, but it's super portable. I only need a couple outlets, and there's a hiss, but there's no ground loop. So if anybody isn't familiar with ground loop, it sounds a little like this. This is a little different than ground loop, as there is no buzz, it's more of a continuous white noise or pink noise underneath the desired input. (laughs) And I haven't even smoked yet. Already talking stupid. Uh, That's these uh, short fire thoughts I think I wrote down last week. But man, yeah, what a weird thing. Uh, Anybody who is of the musical um, persuasion might know the joys of unexplainable ground loop or a damn preamp just not cooperating, you know, giving you that unrealistic hiss that nobody really wants to hear. Put my gain up a little just now, just to uh, hear myself better, because uh, I'm such an egotistical bitch. Anyway. Yeah, man. uh, Dealing with a ground loop is one of the most frustrating things that can happen. I think it's so, uh, you know, the patience to get this stuff put together and get it done right is not always easy to access. 
it's really frustrating too when uh, you know in in your house or in your studio whatever it might be wherever you're trying to plug in you know wherever you do it regularly you might you know have X amount of stuff plugged into an outlet and not have a single problem you go someplace new and uh, you plug something in and all of a sudden you're getting you know <laughs> just insane buzzes and oscillations and all that wonderful 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 60 cycle stuff but I think that's on a short list of one of uh, a high sought-out desire. Grounded, grounded outlets. Several properly grounded outlets per wall. That just sounds like a dream. (laughs) Yeah, several properly grounded outlets per wall and proper insulation. And, uh, ventilation is very important but that's very hard (laughs) when you're trying to soundproof something so anyway that's just uh, a fun minutia of dealing with audio equipment anyway I uh, don't have my baby on me right this moment as I realized last episode, I just kind of... I think I felt a little distracted the whole time having it in front of me, holding it in front of me. Um, and that's its own kind of comfort that I enjoy for myself. But maybe not the best thing to uh, do when trying to do this thing. Um... It's weird, you know, it's just have it in front of me and all I want to do is play, but I have plenty of time to play when I'm not talking. I don't know why I do it then. Some of these bad habits we start to form, you know. But I will be splicing in something a little later. Um, found this weird uh, track this week. It's a little song called Asa Phelps is Dead by the band I want to say it's the Lawrence Arms I may have that might just be Lawrence Arms It's one of those weird things where this the song came out a good 20 years ago but the moment I heard it it sounded so familiar to me uh, It starts off with a cool little uh kind of like a start-stop kind of beat thing. It makes me think this might... That song maybe was on a Tony Hawk game or some bullshit. I don't know. Maybe I saw it in a skate video back when those were cool. When I was a kid. (laughs) Um, But yeah, super sick song. I may splice in uh, me trying to doodle out the, the riff...
if I didn't splice it in and you're still just hearing me talk, then I probably failed at it horribly because I've only heard the song a day or two. So I'm still in that honeymoon phase where, you know, it pumps me up and I I dig the sound of it. And I probably just don't want to spoil it for myself by uh, learning to play it, basically, you know. (coughs) I don't know if that's a thing for every musician out there, but I enjoy songs more when I don't know them. And some simpler stuff, you know, it's like the moment you hear it, at least in my brain, I can recognize, you know, pretty quickly what's going on or what, uh, I guess, oh, there go the cops. What the general motif is, you know, um, probably just the basis thing. Not, no, I'm sorry, um, as a bassist, I guess what my ear does pretty quickly is just kind of break, break the song down into, like, basic blocks, and there aren't that many blocks, people. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> so, uh. Yeah, it's not that it ruins music for me. It's just that, you know, something new comes along, and if my ear can't immediately place it, man, I dig it so much more than, you know. It's, uh... It's exciting when something is new. Weird, though, this song is, like, new to my ear, but I feel like I've heard it And again, it's from like 2000 or 2001. I don't know. Don't know much about the band, but I guess those members, uh, the band has had rotating members or something. I found it by trying to find another band, I believe it was called Man Man. (laughs) Um, But like so many things from the late 90s and early 2000s, it's, it might just be gone in the ether, you know, which is not the greatest, I suppose, but I'm okay with that, this whole internet thing is cool, but I don't know. I don't know about the whole weird, the imperfect permanence of the internet, you know. Digital data isn't something that's tangible. So, you know, when I die or whatever, and (laughs) if there's humans around 200, 300, 400 years from now, it's not like they're going to find all these bullshit recordings that I've made because they're not physical things they're they're data they're digital data that 
lives invisibly in our pockets and on our tablets and desktops and all that, but I don't know. What a weird thing, right? For something to be real, but just completely not tangible. Man, I am tripping myself out, children. I'm sorry. And, uh, I watched a bit of some Graham Hancockleys recently, and he said something about, let's see, there we go. We are a species of amnesia. That's a good quote right there. Couldn't say it better myself if I tried, Graham. Anyway, it's been a it's been a short week. <laughs> I feel like it wasn't that long ago I sat down here to bitch and moan about how useless I feel having to come back here after all that time and do this again. That's a pretty good way to keep myself in check, I suppose. Uh, I did look into a little bit. I talked last week about Albert Camus and The Stranger and about another book of his that I have somewhere in my sea of bullshit called A Happy Death. And I didn't know this. uh, Of course, I just talked, bullshitted my way for 20 minutes recording, and then afterwards got curious when I was editing down and listening to myself again, and it turns out that A Happy Death and The Stranger are not actually different books, it's, it's, my understanding is that, that it is the same story. However, it looks like one of these is, oh man, that's the downside of a stoner brain, right, it can't hold on to a piece of information more than a day. I think it was The Stranger is written in third person, and A Happy Death is written in first person. Um, oh, there were the cops again. the realities of the ghetto children. Looks like they're coming somewhere close by. Oh, there it goes. That was an ambulance. One of the more terrifying of emergency sirens. Um... was I saying, um, yeah, the, uh, The Stranger and a Happy Death, same story, uh, one is third person, one is first person, and I did not know that back when I either read them or attempted, I know I read The Stranger for sure, 
a pipe. I have a feeling that I did read all of A Happy Death, but maybe just didn't quite understand it. Um, my reading comprehension isn't the best out there. I mean, I can understand, but... Oh, boy. If I read too many pages in a sitting, I'll kind of forget everything that I read altogether. And, um... It has to be something really, really good. You know, something real exciting to keep me going. In my lifetime, I don't think I've read more than a handful of books on my own. Uh, start to finish. At least not big, full novels, you know. I, I think I might have read a paperback or two, like... Uh, Flowers for Algernon, and... I think I read Kafka's Metamorphosis, which is only a few pages, a few dozen, I think. Um, yeah. Kind of a dummy. But, anyway, yeah, just a small correction from last week. Also, last week, when I did have my, my baby uh, with me, I uh, don't want to give too much away, but um, I, I mentioned that I had pedals running in front of it. And like I said, I don't want to give too much away, but I know sometimes I get bothered myself when I don't get enough details for certain things. So I will say that what was running in front of it, in order from first to last is right up front at the front of the chain is a compressor because bass sounds really good when it's slightly compressed um, I've heard some people say it takes away too much dynamics and I can see that if you run it too hard like too, too, too high of a ratio and, and a high, uh, low threshold, maybe. I don't so much use it as, like, a flattening thing. I use it more like a boost. I like boosting my signal. Um, actually, that board is more or less, like, nothing but boost stages into a cab sim at the end. So the first one, again, is a compressor. Um, after that, I'm running into a dirt box. It is a clone. Uh, well, not a clone. A variant of a very popular pedal. Uh, I'll go ahead and say it. It's a rat variant. And I hesitate to say that because I never used a rat. Um, not that I didn't like it, I guess if I'm going to be real, someone that I don't exactly worship used to use a rat. And 
I didn't know how good that thing sounded <laughs> until like one day kind of hearing it off the cuff and and yeah it's uh, on bass you know it's it's a it's a pretty robust type of distortion but the pedal that I use has a three-way clipping toggle someone's growling outside uh, three-way clipping toggle so I get like a really kind of like a soft not a soft clipping but like a uh, I don't know the technical terms here so I'm just going to say how they sound in my ear one sounds less open one sounds what I'm guessing is going to be stock and the other sounds more open like more uh like it screams a little more. It's more shouty, a little louder. Um, so that's always a good option, depending on your live situation and how deaf you're trying to make the audience. Uh, after the oh, also that rat variant that I own. Uh, just a little humble brag. The one that I own used to belong to Josh Scott of JHS Pedals. So, uh, shout out to Josh. I, I'm proud that I own that pedal, you know? Um, again, it's not my favorite. I used to run, a a MOOF, basic, uh, EHX style MOOF pie, but, and I kind of prefer that sound of a, of a gnarlier fuzz as compared to the the rat. The rat gets pretty gnarly, but I don't know. It sounds more like distortion than fuzz to me. But fuzz is a type of distortion, as we all know, and yeah. I ended up just using that one regularly because friggin' belonged to Josh Scott, man. That's cool as hell. Anyway. The rat runs into my preamp, which is the pedal that sits right in the middle of the board. Two pedals go into it. There's two pedals after it. And that one in the middle stays on all the time. Again, boosting my signal. Um... But it is a preamp type of situation, and I really love the tone shaping that I get out of the particular preamp I use on that board. After the preamp, surprise, surprise, another boost. This one is a frequency-specific boost. I don't use it too much. Um, it's basically my last resort, um, kind of, uh, blast out my speakers kind of situation. Um, get louder than the drummer, get louder than the guitar player, get louder than the singer kind of thing, you know, when I really want to. And it sounds friggin' great, you know? Um, when I run the rat and then I hit that boost 
it I wouldn't say it cleans up a little bit it just gets gnarlier like a little growlier and a little maybe a little less bassy but a little more present if that makes sense and I dig the hell out of that sound funny enough that song I was talking about the uh, Asa Phelps is dead I love that bass tone man do I love how that bass tone sounds it's <laughs> when I found that song man it uh you know now and then I'll find a song that I really like and, and it just makes me feel so good that how much music means to me and how how it um Sometimes I'll hear a new song and I feel like my brain, like new connections in my brain happen or something, like new new doors open or new windows become available. Pretty great feeling. And, uh, <laughs> oh man, sometimes if, if it's a new song and you know, being a bass player, hearing something, uh, not that it's bass-centric, but, um, let's call it bass-forward, you know, and, and then this guy's tone, oof, man, whatever he was using, or whatever, it's definitely something that I chase myself and try to try to produce from my hands. So, yeah, that one-two punch of like cool new song and sick bass tone. Oh boy, that'll have my brain uh, swimming in that serotonin. <laughs> of feel good so anyway yeah and then uh, last but not least I run a cab sim on my board um, I unfortunately you know living here in this little apartment with my family and all that um feels kind of weird in your early 30s, you know, still blasting out punk rock for all the neighborhood to hear, <laughs> punk rock bass lines, you know, um, that's weird, right, like, I'm, I'm, like, the best I've ever been at playing, but I don't play, <laughs> back when I fucking sucked, I would play so fucking loud for so many hours. <laughs> oh man, our neighbors are sweet though. They never, they never complained. You know, I'm sure they probably quietly hated it, but um, I'm lucky. 
then I was allowed to express myself like that. And, and you know, hey, now I run bass, uh, bass cabs. Now I run cab sims, and, uh, the neighborhood is none the wiser to my bass noodling. And, yeah, I got into bass cabs. Oh, bass cabs. Fucking... There's an Ampeg that I want. Fuck, I keep thinking about. That's not a good thing to... Desire so many material things, but... But, goddammit, I want an Ampeg bass cabinet. <laughs> um, yeah, I got into cab sims a few years ago. Uh, got my feet wet with a little more, uh, the more radar, and apparently when those things came out, they weren't that good, there was a, a pretty bad issue with latency, and man, when you're playing, you know, uh, you're playing something live, or, or you want to hear it live in your, in your monitors, um, Latency will fuck you up. You know, it's it's annoying. Even even something like just under a half a second latency is enough to to really ruin the mood and just not make you feel like you're um in the pocket or whatever it might be. Anyway, I got that more radar and I guess I was lucky enough that by the time I got one they fixed their firmware. So when I got it, I did not have, if there was latency, it was not enough for me to notice, because I'm no, I don't have golden ears, you know, by any means, so it was uh, spot on enough for me to do some recordings and, you know, play around silently with headphones, and uh, from there on out, I was hooked, and um uh, for those that might not know, I don't run uh, any kind of DAW. I don't run. I, I use GarageBand to like finalize and publish things, but um, I don't record into a DAW. Uh, I do everything, uh, quote unquote, to tape, as I like to say. It's a digital multi-track, but that feels so much better for me than running a fucking DAW, you know, like, uh, I don't remember who I heard say it, but it's like, yeah, you know, try recording with your ears, not with your eyes, and boy, oh boy, did that turn my life around, because I felt like recording into, um, Recording into a DAW, staring into a monitor, you know, sitting at a desk like that, like, man, that is not the way to do it. At least not for me, you know, hey, I know some of you out there, uh, probably don't know any other way, and, you know, all the power to you, but, uh, Lord bless my soul, I come from an, uh, older time where... you know, imperfection in a, in a work wasn't the death of it, you know. I feel like now, 
like every other old man you can find on YouTube complaining about recording uh, or modern music, whatever you want to call it. There's uh, there's something about the perfection of time alignment and what's that thing when you're like your uh, your drum machine will uh, automatically line its trigger points up uh it's not syncopation it's uh huh i'm blanking out anyway quantization motherfucker pull that one out at the last second uh yeah quantization sounds like it's doing something to your <laughs> sounds like it's doing something on a molecular level or something like <laughs> the quantum world is uh, fixing your bass drum so yeah I tend to stay away I haven't recorded into a DAW since maybe uh, I don't know 2014 maybe 2015 at the latest some point after 2015 for sure I got my uh, a little task cam digital porta studio and boy oh boy is that more than enough for my uh, simple needs but yeah capsums yo uh, it's the way of the future There's some stuff out there that's, like, super complicated, and, and my stuff is pretty simple. It's just little, little pedal stomp boxes with certain, like, preset cabs and, and, um, like, preset microphones and stuff, and then you're, you can decide how to quote-unquote place the microphone and uh yeah it's just uh simple enough for me to not feel like I have to dive into menus and um you know worry about um setting up the board and worry more wor ugh, worry more about just getting to play you know jumping straight into it uh hell I barely use a metronome sometimes I don't know what it is but I'm not against metronomes or uh a click track whatever you want to call it And there's definitely something to that as well where I've been in some jam situations or whatever and you know it's hard enough to get five people on the same page organically right like whenever a jam starts um, forming but then to stop that to act actively stop that to figure out, quote-unquote, um, the beats per minute to a song, 
and then get a metronome going and then have everyone follow that metronome like holy shit I've seen plenty of practice get grinded to a halt because exactly that and hey again right if you if you live by your click track more power to you that's just not the way things work in Rupak's world in Rupak's sad sad little world After all, like uh, Graham Hancock said, we are a species of amnesia. <laughs> yeah. I wrote down here, uh, out of repetition comes variation. That's very true. I was just talking to my buddy today about how someone who unfortunately insults guitar players everywhere by calling themselves a guitar player, even though they obviously never fucking learned to play guitar, you know, and uh, I told him how it's like this kind of thing where, you know, say instead of musicians, we were all like pro BMX fucking writers, you know, and this guy <laughs> with his little fucking home ramp, like dirt track that he made in his backyard or whatever, and he so badly wants to be a pro BMXer, and <laughs> he invites us over who do know how to ride BMX, and then the moment we get there, the son of a bitch can't even ride a bike, you know? And, uh, I was just telling him how it's just like, you know what, the moment you see that this guy doesn't even know how to balance on a, on the bike, trying not to curse here, get too worked up, but the moment you see that, you would immediately know, you know, like, my first thought wouldn't be, oh, he's rusty, he forgot how to ride a bike, <laughs> My first thought would be like, this motherfucker has never known how to ride a bike. Because you don't forget it. You don't forget how to do something like that once you know how to do it. The reason for that is because, like I just said, repetition. Right? If you get the basics down of how to, how to balance on a bicycle and how to pedal yourself forward, you know what? You might never go down a ramp and you might never, you know bunny hop your way up some stairs or whatever crazy things these kids do now but you'll never forget how to ride it you know it's it's a process that takes repetition and at a certain point that repetition will just be engraved in, in, ingrained into your brain is what I meant to say and it won't go away it'll never go away so I don't know. It's just a bummer how some people can't put in the work or won't, you know. But don't, don't insult, don't insult the rest of us, you know. <laughs>
it's uh, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, right? Yeah. Oh, did I talk about this? Uh, speaking of talking to my buddy, I got to watch uh, this short little documentary that's uh, unfortunately a Netflix exclusive. Um, but I've been wanting to see it for a while. I heard about it from some comedians, and um, yeah, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> I remember when the hearing them discuss it, one guy was like, oh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's neat, and the other guy, the following week, when he watched it, he was just like, what the hell was that, I was waiting for it to start, <laughs> and that was exactly what I said to my buddy, as we reached the end of the documentary, <laughs> oh man, we had a good laugh, um, yeah, it was called, uh, John, John was trying to contact space, I believe is the, the correct full name, and I won't spoil it, but, like, in the first scene, like, the first thing you see when this thing gets going is, like, this long-haired, hippie-looking white dude standing in front of, like, what used to, you know... Like in old TV shows when they would have a supercomputer or whatever and it's like a whole wall with like magnetic reel-to-reel uh, -reel tape machines and these crazy monitors doing like, you know, displaying um, filter oscillations and all that shit. And... You know, this documentary is based on a guy that did something, was doing this uh, work uh, a good while ago. And, man, in some of the pictures you just see some awesome, 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 awesome gear. Like, a lot of rare stuff, uh, I guess, or... Not rare, that's wrong, right? Just vintage stuff that nowadays is, like, super sought after because, you know, it's weird how you don't think of the things that exist in your moment being finite, but they are, man, like, so yeah, this guy, uh, there was a scene where he had, he, he had, like, a, he called it a data mapper. And it looked like, kind of like a mini stove, like this big metal block. But what was so cool about it was on, on the top of it, it had like a circular display. Um, which is like something you don't see anymore, you know, circular displays. And I don't know, it looked like a freaking radar machine, you know, like what you would picture a radar machine to look like, like, like in a, in a nuclear submarine or something, but, yeah, he said it was, a, a if I'm not mistaken, he called it a data mapper, which, who knows what even that means, man, like, you know, <laughs> that thing wasn't a printer, it's clearly some type of display or something, or, or 
probably just a radar. <laughs> He's just calling it a, a data mapper. Um, but yeah, man, this guy had like all these filter boxes and, and um, like oscillators running on monitors and amplifiers. I saw so many PV amplifiers, like so many old solid state PV amplifiers, which you know, anybody that knows anything about like brutal guitar tone, like man, those old PV amplifiers are are uh, sure hard to come by. Funny, I used to have an old PV amplifier that belonged to my dad, and it was solid state, but it could run a cabinet. Um, wasn't the worst thing in the world. It was a, like a four-channel mixer, but man, I really didn't appreciate what I had, you know. Uh, I remember also having, uh, not having myself, but they were around the house. My dad again, probably. Uh, old sun cabinets. And holy shit, man. Like, these cabinets were not like anything I would see or have seen since nowadays. And, um, not just one or two, like a few of them. And these motherfuckers were big, heavy, big, heavy cabinets, man. I, I, he put. I'm positive my dad put, like, aftermarket casters on these things, like, heavy-duty, like, three-inch, four-inch diameter casters. Make it easier to move these things around, but... Boy, oh boy, if I could go back and tell little Rupak, you know, to hold on to those. Because, again, anybody that knows anything about the brutality guitar tones, you know, those sun cabinets have a reputation, man. It's weird, uh, I, um, was watching this music video by a local indie band, and it's, I don't want to say it's like a It bothers me when I see, like, quote-unquote indie bands in music videos, and these motherfuckers have, like, rare guitars and, like, rare amplifiers, you know? Yet they're playing, like, this... <laughs> like, this shitty, noodly music that doesn't... That really doesn't warrant <laughs> the fucking gear, you know, like that might just be me hating on them a little bit, but I don't know, man. You know. I know a, a talented guitar player or two that you know, will never own like a 
offender American, you know. And it's not that they're even that, that, that ridiculously expensive, but they're expensive, you know. And you see some freaking little skinny hipster fucking white guy twerp playing like like an original fucking Rickenbacker or some bullshit. <laughs> like just something that you know is enough to like instruments that are enough to be like a down payment on a car, <laughs> you know, or a fucking house, I don't know. Like just an obscene amount of money. I just wonder, like, where the hell do they get that shit? I don't know. Maybe I'm just looking into it too much, right? It's like maybe, you know, if I was a rapper, I would probably rent, like, a Lamborghini or something to try to make myself look cool, right? But I'm just some fucking little no-name rapper. So obviously the Lamborghini is in line. But I don't know. I don't feel like it works the same for these indie bands, you know, like <laughs> Oh man. Like when you know a rare guitar, it's just like, hmm. Who the fuck would even want to lend that out? You know, like I don't care how much you pay me. I think it also puts a weird taste in my mouth of just like, hmm, how fucking indie are these motherfuckers, you know, like, probably some fucking trust fund piece of shit, can afford all this, like, amazing gear, and maybe not really, uh, I don't know, maybe not give it the reverence that it deserves, you know. Uh, that's just me being a, a shit-talky little bitch, but it wouldn't be 2 a.m. without Ruben being a shit-talky little bitch. Let's see, I wrote down here Oppenheimer. I don't know who that is. Oppenheimer. Uh, sounds like a scientist. Uh, <laughs> is that the guy that made the nuclear bomb? Oppenheimer. I am become death. That guy. I'm gonna have to look that up after this and <laughs> make a correction on the next episode because um, this is a no phone zone. But I wrote down here, Oppenheimer, quote, Any man whose mistakes take ten years to correct is quite a man. Amen, Oppenheimer. Man, if I could go back ten years and stop myself from so many things.
and I watched uh, I watched this uh, like overproduced uh, TV drama won't say which one it's not really all that great or maybe worth the time but this character had a son who died very young and because the show is a little uh, magical and sci-fi-ish there was a way for that memory to get erased from him to be able to uh, to be expunged you know just completely removed from his uh, what would you call it inner narrative that sounds right and basically what ends up happening is this gentleman ends up begging to not lose the memory because even though the memory of his son caused him so much pain he said it was the only thing he had left of his son and boy did that hit something with me man I think I live with a similar kind of ghost in my psyche. And man, it causes me a lot of pain. You know, my mistakes or whatever you want to call them. But I also seem to refuse to let go of that pain because that pain is all that's left of that person you know what a difficult thing a personal narrative can be Any man whose mistakes take ten years to correct is quite a man. Yeah, quite a man indeed. Oh, here's a good one. I wrote down meaning. Giving choices consequence that's something very true if your choices don't have consequences then they don't have meaning and fortunately I think sometime in my youth I made the mistake of deciding that nothing in this world had meaning. But 
but it's funny how everything that I removed meaning from still remains to this day. And in all of that confusion, my mind created something that meant everything to me. And I lost it. It's like I willingly decided to destroy it. And to this day, I don't know why. I don't fully know why. I may never know why. I think it's just the way things are. So now it's just all this pain that I caused, and not just myself. Real pain that I that I just had to share with the whole class. <laughs> and now that's all I have left. There's an old movie, um, talking about goofy sci-fi. There's this old movie, um, I think, like, the premise of the movie is, like, some investigator, excuse me, trying to solve a murder or something, but... this movie's like from the early 90s maybe late 80s and whatever whatever the future was in this movie it looks like the uh, someone developed a technology where people could watch their people could watch their dreams on on like a screen and it wasn't a tablet because back then you know flat screens weren't a thing so in the movie you know you see these people um that were basically like hugging these little like mini like CRT televisions, you know, those little rectangular type situations. But they would hold it, they would basically hug it against their their chest and then face down and stare into it because they could watch their dreams, you know, while they were awake. 
and people would get so addicted to it that they would die. They like wouldn't, they wouldn't uh, eat, uh, they wouldn't go outside, you know. They'd basically just go crazy um, watching their dreams on this monitor. It's just weird how this shitty 80s movie or early 90s, whatever the hell, whenever it's from, seemed to nail the, nail the nail on the head, <laughs> hit the nail on the head about the situation we're in now. Or at least what we're headed to, you know? What a weird thing to call them screens. A screen. And when I was a kid, a screen was something that filtered things out, you know? could run water through a screen get any impurities out or you know people had or have still right screen doors which is just like a a flimsy little thing with just enough of a mesh to keep stuff out but let the air in When I was a kid, computers didn't have screens. Computers had monitors. You would monitor your work on the computer via the monitor. But now the computers have screens. And the computer screens things for you. What a strange, strange world. Anyway, kids. I think we're just about done here for today. I'm going to go mix down and edit. And then... make more notes for next week so anyway yeah thanks again for sitting down with me and as always take care of yourself children <laughs>